0: reenacting that now, do you want to change that about yourself?
1: I got an interesting.
0: Oh yeah, you know that is such an important question. You've got to have a willingness to change what you need to change about yourself. And is that where you're at? That is the million-dollar question. As a sex addict, do you want to change? If you're working with yourself and, you know, you're an individual person that, you know, has a community, has a whole list of friends, but you aren't in a relationship, this is going to be tough for you because truly, what we know to be true is you're on your own honor, And sex addiction is the toughest addiction to beat, right? Okay. Now that being said, we also know that if you're in relationship with somebody, your work is two-folded, right? It is two-folded in that you have to work on your own individual recovery and you need to be able to work on your relational recovery. So, so many people that listen to this show are really couples that want to enhance their relationship. And that's what counts. And today, I have two amazing people. They're not just authors, Joanna and Matthew Ripsmith. They are married couples that along with Dean Drake have written, Building True Intimacy, Creating a Connection that Stands the Test of Time. Now what does that mean? That means that they are going to tell you what the roadmap is, what's the recovery journey for couples that want to develop intimacy. You know, they want to find post-traumatic growth, or as that's called, restoration, And they want to give you some hope that it's possible. All right. That being said, it is so important for you to decide what do you need both individually and as a couple. Well, we all know honesty is at the foundation of, intimacy situation. You've got to be honest. And when you aren't, that typically means that you will activate anyone who loves you. Because if they can't trust you, they can't love you. Right? Yeah. And so, when we're talking, what we know to be true is that you have got to be able to put honesty at the foundation for your intimacy. Right. So what is that? How do you get honest? Not just honest about sexuality, but honest about every single thing. What do you do? How do you maintain that? We know that in addiction, you're prone to lying, right? And so, if you're prone to lying, that means she is going to, unfortunately, she's going to fear that everything that comes out of your mouth is not honest. And we say it starts with honesty. It really, really does. And what... What I know and what I hope that you can get from this podcast is some information on how to build honesty, how to build trust, how to build vulnerability, and of course, how to develop a relationship that stands, you know, over the test of time to be strong, to be loving, and to be the healthiest relationship you would ever want. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's no easy feat, but we do know that you can do that. And there are experts out in the field. There are experts out in the field that just are not, um, they don't know what it takes to get healthy and so that is why I am so excited to have this couple on because they do know what it takes and they want to share that with you. They've got a brand new book that has come out and I mean it is amazing. It is building the true intimacy creating a connection that stands the test of time. So I want to say hello hello to Matthew and Joanna. How are you both doing?
2: Hello, so good to see you. We're doing
0: very well. Yes, I know. I've been waiting for you to get on because this is so important. It is so important for our listeners to find out how do you find it, to see and where do you start. So I'm uh, going to ask you, folks, so what made you decide with Dan Drake to write this book?
1: Yeah, we, we wrote this book because I think we needed it. Um, when we were in our own journey um, many years ago, and, you know, as, as a couple who went through our own really recovery process, dealing with betrayal and addiction, one of the things that we noticed when we were going through that process that, was that there wasn't kind of this equality of resources. Uh, there was a lot of resources for addicts at the time. There was kind of some growing resources for partners but they were just coming about. But very few resources for couples. Um, in fact, sometimes none. Right, and and so one of the things that we really felt at that time was that we would have loved a guide
2: for what it
1: looked like to not just kind of survive what we were going through, but to really thrive after. And uh, and so that was the I think that vision was born a long time ago. And um, working with Dan and kind of coming in contact with the concept of the energy pyramid really helped us kind of say, yes, this is the thing. This is this is the, the journey. This is the kind of framework that would have really helped us see what pieces we needed in place.
2: Yeah, I think as we started using the model in our practice with clients just to draw a picture a roadmap of the journey ahead of them, so many people were, it was resonating with them and they were latching onto it and they're asking, tell us more, more about it, what does it mean? And so we started talking about it, teaching more, um, and finally decided with do. okay, we just need to write a whole book that kind of goes through the model, explains each level, and kind of draws a picture, a more in-depth picture of what this looks like for couples.
0: Well, and I love how you did that because obviously I got to read the book before it was even published. I was gonna be able to endorse it, which made me feel so excited because you all are part of that important, partner-sensitive organization, APSF. And they have been instrumental in changing how we look at partners and trauma. And you shared your own stories and went back and forth in the book on that and then highlighted the very, very important aspects of a couple's journey. Mm -hmm. And you both did it. So we got to hear, Jelena, your perspective, and then Matthew shared, and back and forth and back and forth. And it was that honesty, I believe, about your own story that helped it become even more believable when Mm -hmm. I was reading it through the eyes of a couple. So share a little bit about the book and the importance the important place that your intimacy pyramid plays in the development of a couple's journey towards restoration?
1: Yeah, I think what we really want to be able to do is provide a couple a sense of how to assess where they're at in the journey a little bit and You know the pyramid is pretty simple it's it's a it's a pretty kind of basic format of of the core components that lead to intimacy and and really how to start from the foundation and kind of build up um but as well what we really wanted is to to allow couples wherever they were on the journey right if they've been in recovery or working on restoration for years they could kind of pick up the pyramid or pick up the book and say where are we what parts of this journey are, are maybe underdeveloped? Have we really haven't touched on? That? And so that's what we what we were most excited about was not just kind of giving this framework, this kind of linear framework for couples mm-hmm. to define, but also for couples who may want to kind of check in and go, is this, are there any pieces that we missed or parts that don't feel fleshed out yet? Yeah, and so
2: just you know the the picture of the pyramid or to understand the framework. We have kind of these building blocks leading up to the top of the pyramid, starting with the foundation of honesty on top of that safety, trust, vulnerability, and intimacy. And we find for the couples who come into us at the very beginning of the journey, honesty has been shattered. The whole pyramid is falling down. It offers them a lot of hope. A vision that, that it is possible to restore or find the type of intimacy that they're wanting. And like you saying, for couples anywhere along the journey, then they can kind of place them in, themselves in it and go, okay, where else do we continue building? And I think so much of that through our own writing of the book has been such an encouragement just to us, right? We are continuing to use this in our own relationship every day. <laughs> Right? When we start to butt heads, we just check in and go, okay, where are we getting stuck? What do we need to focus on? And it really is a tool that helps us kind of
1: continue to move
2: forward, hopefully the rest of our relationship.
1: And we really are so thankful for kind of models like yours, the IRCA model, that really reintroduced this idea that this is a couple's journey from the get-go, right? Even though it may not look like traditional counseling, right, or couples counseling or therapy in some of those early phases. It's still a relational journey. And really that was the – our book is trying to kind of push that idea forward as well. They Right? Even though you may be doing more kind of intimate couples work later on in the journey, even at that foundation of honesty, there's still a role for both partners to play, right? And how do we play that role well? How do we step into those spaces and, as you work up towards the kind of
0: relationship we're most excited about. Okay, so Joanna just mentioned the component that starts with the honesty. And, you know, truly treating any kind of addiction requires honesty. And yet that is so hard because if if an alcoholic is dishonest, everybody shakes their head and thinks, what a fool. But when... An addict is not honest. It's a, it's a smack, the smack down to the partner who needs him or her to be honest to restore the relationship. So you got honesty. And then is it truth? Then it's safety. Safety. I should have known that. That's the most important part of a partner's experience. Continue. Yes. What makes it be
1: safety? Safety is really all about, in recovery couples, the demonstration of that change behavior, right? In honesty, we're, we're really breaking that denial, right? If I'm coming from that addict or that betrayer side, right, in honesty, I'm breaking denial, and then I'm ending the lies, right? Even even as I, I might struggle, right, in, my, in that early phase, I'm going to be upfront, I'm going to be honest. Safety is about really two things. Can I demonstrate change, right? Can I demonstrate change, one, around my addiction and my destructive choices? But two, as I think, Pearl, you've done such a great job of, of giving couples guidance on, can I demonstrate change around how I deal with the implications of my actions, right? Part of the really important part of safety for couples in, in the restoration work, recovery work is, can I handle the emotions? Of the betrayed partner, right? As a betrayer, uh-huh. can I be there in those moments that they are triggered? Can I can I become aware of what's going on? Can I answer the call? And and if I can, that's going to communicate really more than anything to my partner that there's change, right? And and we we've worked with so many couples, as you know, where you know the betrayer gets sober, right? They kind of they leave the addiction behind, right? And they kind of say, okay, I'm done, right? I, I don't do that anymore, right? I, let's move on, right? And and they're unable to handle those emotional situations, right, those charged situations for the healing of that return partner. And so they stay stuck, right? They don't rebuild that trust. And so that's why we really wanted to create this really important safety level to say we want to address this space so that trust is rebuilt well.
0: Well, and you say trust, and for all our our listeners, um, I put this diagram. Janice and Dan are my really good friends, and I they gave me the diagram, and instead of trust, which is your third portion of the ladder, right, it said truth. And so after, I, I do believe after it got published, now this is an inside story, don't tell any of your friends. This is just for our listeners to know who's behind the scenes of this book and Dan and Matthew and Joanna and Tanner. So that reaches out to me and goes, oh, I sent you the wrong pyramid. We've changed that. Matthew and his lovely wife have suggested that
1: trust
0: is really the next, part of the ladder. So again, so I get it straight, it's honesty, it's the foundation. And then it's safety. I mean, if you're honest with each other, you create safety. And with safety, more trust is built upon. So the insights group I want you to share with my listening audience, they love nuggets, is what made you decide trust? As opposed to truth, and how did you get Dan
1: and Janice to change this? You were the
0: inside scoop guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, lots of begging and pleading. Um, Dan, you know, Dan's a pushover right now. You know, it was it was really just thinking about what happens with couples. To where that safety is demonstrated, right? When when betrayers are able to answer that call, what do we see partners do? And what we usually see partners do is they begin to open up, right? They begin to kind of to, to let down some of those guards, right, and to kind of pull back some of those boundaries and protections and say, hey, this feels different, right? This feels more like I want to. And that really felt like it honored what was happening for couples who were getting it right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the pieces, so for each of the levels, we've kind of broken it down into even smaller subcategories. And so one of the pieces of safety that's so important to understand is the importance of reliability, right? If I only show up safe part of the time, that's not really safe. Like I have to be showing up safe the majority of the time. And there's some really interesting research out there around couples and relationships that says you need about 90 to 95% reliability for a relationship to feel safe. And so you've got to hit that really before you start stepping into that trust. And so that's really helpful for some of the partners I work with. You see their spouse doing a lot of work, getting safer, taking big steps, but going, but for some reason, I still feel scared to move into that trust. Phase. And to normalize that and say, yeah, it's okay because they're not fully reliable yet, right? They're moving in the right direction, but they're not quite there, right? If, if you're about to step onto a swinging bridge and every, you know, cross link, there's a 30% chance it might break and you fall into the river below, right? Is that going to be very, are you going to feel ready to trust and courageously walk across the bridge? Probably not, right? And so being able to normalize and go, yes, you have to have that reliability for it to really be safe for you to then be able to step into that trust phase.
0: to go. And, you know, that is why it is so important in a coupleship for uh, the betrayer, if you will, not to lie about taking out the trash. Mm
1: -hmm. Because (laughs)
0: what does that do to a traumatized brain? It says, I can't trust you about anything. If you would lie about the trash, you've got to be lying about the bigger things. And yet, they're unrelated, but they're not. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that's okay. that kind of bridge. I mean, if you're seeing okay. it falling apart, are you yeah. really going to, as you put it, courageously walk forward? Not so yeah. much.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. yeah we, and we actually encountered that in our own journey. You know, I... I have had a history of being pretty inaccurate in my stories, right? Mm-hmm. and And so I you know talk about things like if we spent four hours, I would say, You know, we were there for like eight, nine, ten hours, right? I would I would always either exaggerate or underrepresent. And Joanna came to me and said, You know when when you do that, right, it feels like you're not being honest, right? You're just not comfortable telling the truth what really happened. And while I know, you know, I trust that you're being honest about maybe your sexual journey, about these other behaviors, this level of dishonesty and inaccuracy, right, is, is telling me I don't know if I can trust you. And so we have lots of conversations about that, and I started to realize, like you're saying, any places of dishonesty, any places that I, I lose that reliability, I'm, we're going to lose that trust in our relationship, and when the trust has been broken to the level of it has in betrayal cases, there is just such fragility, right? That it really starts to crumble the whole system, and so that's why it's so important for couples to navigate this, and and for both partners to be speaking about it, right? For for betrayed spouses to say this doesn't feel okay, you know, we gotta we gotta figure this out, right? And for betrayers to be able to listen and go.
2: Yeah, I kind of
1: get that, right? It it doesn't feel like my old way of lying, right, right? where I was trying to hide from you. I can see it's still part of the system that I've adopted where I'm just not comfortable with just the honest truth, right, that I can't just let this be enough. And so I think these are the kind of things that couples would come to us, and they've done so much good recovery work, and they're like, but we don't still feel one. And so that's a lot of the reason we wanted to feed to the kind of full journey of recovery. Well, and
0: you make it so simplistic in this book. Remember, um, you know, today we're talking about thriving, not just surviving, and giving you the possibilities for love and beyond. And what I what I really appreciated about this book is that you broke it down into. Simple tools that if people would follow and really focus on with laser focus, it would have to enhance the relationship, create vulnerability and intimacy, and, you know, you just did a beautiful job. So I'm going to ask you, how do you help couples push through the obstacles so that they can move forward in their journey?
1: Uh, i think you know one of the things we know is the recovery journey is long uh-huh. right and so you know we we have found in our own journey and in the couple that we work with that couples who get out of that crisis phase right and and maybe get to that level of trust they're a little tired right they've put in a lot of work a lot of money a lot of time and so, one of the things we really just encourage them is to don't forget to stop investing, right? The one of the things we talk about in that level of trust is commitment, right? And it's really it's committing to a lifelong process, right? Great relationships are not made in intensives. They may be they may be born in intensives, right? But they are they're really made in the kind of regular commitment. And so. One of the ways that couples, I think, have to be reminded is it is a long journey, right, that this thriving that we're looking for will be something we're working on the rest of our lives.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we try to help them, again, identify what their particular obstacle is. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of couples can come to us, know they're stuck, but they don't know why. So it's helping them understand what that is. And then what are the tools that can help them get over that hump? A lot of couples we see are really like you were saying, kind of stuck in that trust level, not sure how to fully move through forgiveness and kind of rebalance and create a new us, right? Where their identity isn't really recovery couple anymore. They really created, they really grow beyond that. And so that's what we help a lot of couples with.
0: Yeah.
2: Well and I know when I think about partners
0: they've ultimately been affected so much in how they feel about themselves. Are they good enough? Were they unworthy? Was God punishing them? Why did this happen? There had to be something wrong with them. And when they get to that place, that's such a level of vulnerability when they can express it and feel it and talk about it to each other and obviously in front of you two. So, what do you suggest a partner do if she just doesn't feel like she can get moving forward
2: on how she feels about herself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a tough place. Um, Every partner has those questions after going through betrayal. Whether they were there before or not, it creates that, I think. And so finding first finding a very safe, Place to explore those questions, obviously, right, without judgment, where they can fully express and feel validated, right, um, with their own group or counselor. And then hopefully the goal is, right, to bring that spouse in mm-hmm. to say, I can sit and I can hold and I can take responsibility for creating and causing some of those doubts and fears and pains, Right. But ultimately, we really encourage and equip the partner to be empowered to claim their truth themselves, right? To not need anyone else to speak it for them, but help them really empowered to decide who they believe they are, if they believe that they are worthy, if they believe that they are enough. Uh, One of the things I tell all of my partners in the very beginning, you are enough a healthy person Mm -hmm. you have been partnered with a very broken person in a lot of pain and they have they have been a very poor reflection right if you imagine looking at your reflection in a broken mirror what like that what you see is not a reflection of your true identity and it's really easy if that's all you've ever seen to start to believe that that's who i am and so it's helping them start to see their true selves and claim
1: that identity for themselves. I mean, I've it's been so empowering and so healing for partners. And I work with a lot of guys on the betraying side, kind of addressing that same issue of saying like, right, you, you probably really don't even know what your spouse is like, right? Because the spouse you have gotten in your relationship has been someone who's been responding to lies, right? Someone who's been trying to build a relationship on half information, right? And now you've got somebody who's recovering from trauma, right? And so, so it's going to take a while for you to actually to, to get a sense of what that's like. And the only way to do that is to handle your own emotional journey, right? And so a lot of the work I'm doing with betrayers in is that taking responsibility for my own emotions so that I can be that good reflection, right? Because when, you know, as you know this you talk about this, right? When I'm able to handle my own emotions, I'm able to be present with someone else as they explore theirs, right? So their deep feelings, right? Their deep longing, their deep woundings, I can contain, right? I can actually be there and be present for and not be a robot, right? And just, you know, yes, that looks hard, right? But actually feel it with them, that's going to give them such a different reflection right i when, when i'm able to be emotionally grounded and present that reflects totally different to the person you're sharing with, right they will always report feelings of hurt, the right and and that's really what's going to be such a human bomb for that couple right are those moments where that partner gets to be vulnerable and, and that, that betraying spouse gets to say, I can do this differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping them have those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's going to happen in a more kind of controlled environment. But eventually we want the couple to be able to do a lot of that themselves.
0: Yeah, you know, you said that beautifully. And what we teach betrayers is to hold and contain their pain. That's what you talk about in the book. And that's what I talk about in IRCAM. And as they're holding that pain, they have to be strong enough not to go into shame. Because what does shame do? Shame turns it around, her pain, and makes it all about him. And that's a tough situation. And in your book, you talk to them about equipping them so that they don't go into shame. Can you say a little bit more about that, Matthew? Yeah,
1: it, it is. And, and shame is so tricky because it shame looks like it's almost responsibility, right? It looks like I'm, I'm naming the things I've done wrong and how bad it is. But as like you said, you can tell it starts to twist and turn, right, all the focus on on the person who's done the injury, right, not the injured person. And really what's interesting is what we love is fighting shame is, is the same no matter which side of the equation of the betrayal relationship I sit on. I ultimately as a betraying spouse I have to learn how to speak into my identity first right what I what I realized in my own journey was when Joanna and I got married I wanted her to tell me what my identity was right I wanted her to convince me that I was a good man that I was capable right that I was strong and so I would kind of go to her in this kind of very needy codependent right very emotionally, really fragile space right and if anything she did right pointed in the opposite direction right i would crumble and you just we know that's not going to work in a recovery couple the only way it works is if i can speak to my own sense of identity and insecurity and which is hard right to do when i've created damage right it is really difficult to to look at some of my choices in life and to say, I can, I see what I've done, right? I see who I've hurt and I can still proclaim the truth that I'm a good man or that I am a capable man or I am man enough, right? Um, that, that I can be strong in this moment, right? That ability to regulate myself is what allows me to have that space of containment for others.
2: Um,
1: and What's really interesting is I see my the, the betraying spouses I work with do this all the time. They do this with other betrayers, right? When they're in groups, right, and someone's telling their story and their trauma from their childhood, I'll watch these betrayers listen and be empathetic and caring, right? And then they'll turn around and go, you know, I can't be empathetic to my wife, right? <laughs> yes, you can, you know, I just watched you do it, Right? It's just that her pain is triggering your insecurity, right, when the guy in your group's pain isn't. Mm-hmm. But if you know it's triggering your insecurity, then you know you can you can speak to it, right? You can address it. And so learning to do that is really what unlocks so much of those later levels of recovery for a couple. Um, it's not that we stop working together, but it's that we know... We can speak to our own pains first so that we can speak to the pains of the relationship.
0: Well, and Joanna is such a nice woman, and I can see where initially, as you two got together, she probably did fortify who you were, and she was reassuring, and she Mm -hmm. made it a point because she felt some of that insecurity. She made it a point to build you up because she saw your potential when you didn't even see it in yourself. And so, Joanne, I heard you say earlier that obviously your job is to help empower the woman within the coupleship, not to need his affirmation, but to create her own. And it's very nice when she can get that, but that's not what she should hinge, her own sense of self on, correct? Yes. Yes,
2: absolutely. And kind of in the same way, a lot of partners I work with, I have to teach them to stop caring for their spouse or rescuing their spouse when they fall into the same spiral, right? right? So that's also a tendency of a lot of partners to dive in and rescue their ex-spouse when he's feeling bad. And so that's another boundary we work on is he has to be capable and responsible of that on his own not that you abandon him or leave him. You're still there and you're supportive, but make sure you don't cross over and start caretaking for his emotions in, in kind of an imbalanced way.
0: Well, again, in your book, you are experts at talking about yourself and looking into the theories, the conceptualizations, the research that helped a reader, to know that this is not only your perspective, this is recovery, and this has been researched by um couple researchers forever. You know, uh, John Gottman, his new thing, well, his new thing, it's been about 10 years old, but he studies betrayal, and he, he and his wife do that because they realize how devastating that is if it goes unhealed. So if I can, you just shared a little bit about yourself, but how do you feel you got over to what APSTAT calls restoration? And for our listening audience, APSTAT is a partner-sensitive institution that teaches clinicians and coaches how to look at partner betrayal through the eyes of trauma. And the first phase is safety and stabilization, and that's why it's the second rung in the pyramid. And then the second stage is grieving and mourning the loss of what she had, what she thought she had, what she fears Mm -hmm. she'll never have, and her own sense of, who am I that I thought I had all this stuff when I didn't? Mm -hmm. And then that third stage is restoration. And that restoration has to do with how can a betrayer and a partner restore their sense of self, that's what we were just talking about, their sense of the coupleship, and or their sense of their relationship with God. And I call it, in ERCA, post-traumatic growth. And obviously you two have made it your mission to work with couples to help them to heal. So how did you get over to post-traumatic growth? And you referenced that it doesn't end, there's not an end date, but it, it's really <laughs> about, about giving back and creating more um, reason to want to help others because it helps you. So, how'd you get over there, guys? How'd you get over to phase three?
1: Hmm. Um, a lot of conversation, and I think um, mm-hmm. a willingness to stay open to the process. I think. Um, you know, there, there is a sense, for me, I know there was a sense for me when we started recovery of, right, when do we cross the finish line, right? When do I get my medal? When it, when am I, when am I, graduate. You know, I graduate and we can be done. And I think I even told Joanna at some point, this is not going to be a thing we do. We're not going to be that couple that does this forever. Um, you know, just good luck with those things, right? Um, but I think it was remaining open to the conversation. Some were more structured where we just, we knew there was something that had been un, undealt with, and sometimes that came up with our own work, right? As, as we were working with couples and as we were starting to kind of support others, we started to see some of our areas on that pyramid that was a little weaker. Um, a lot of it has been, though, just, I think, staying open to these conversations, right? And 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 really being able to talk about the transformation. You know, one of the things that I think Joanna said so beautifully is, reconciliation, right, on the on the side of the betraying spouse should should change me. It should be life-altering because betrayal trauma is life-altering, right? And so the process that I go through in restoring our relationship should leave me totally different. And I think that's really been the key. I, I live a different life not just because of my early recovery. I would probably contribute at most to our relational recovery. It's really taught me how to live in the world differently. Um, I learned how to stop my chaos in in my kind of addiction work. I learned how to live differently in in our relationship journey, right? I learned that relationships are complex.
2: <laughs> they
1: change. They're tricky. And and I think and I'm still learning, right? And I think it's that learning and transformation process that that has led to uh, a kind of sense of of this excitement in who we are again
2: and a big part of that that he mentioned is what we call compensation and this is part of the forgiveness process that we've we coupled through um, that balances kind of the kind of justice compassion and power and the justice piece of compensation and so the idea is that it's not about demonstrating a new level of trustworthiness through changed behavior, changed self, right? At the core of who he is, he is now a different person and showing up dramatically different in our relationship and really in the world. Um, and so when I saw that and I started to experience that, that's when I knew, okay, this is different. <laughs> this is new. Like We have now created a brand-new relationship, a brand-new us wasn't there before that felt much more whole, much more intact, Um, and a big part of the change that looks so different and unique for every couple, and so part of the work we do with couples is figuring out what does it look like for you and your relationship. For us, a big part of it was diving into this work together. Matthew mentioned, you know, early on, he was kind of like, I have no interest in doing this work whatsoever, (laughs) and as our, our journey developed as I saw him dive into it and, and get trained and with that and start advocating for partners who had experienced betrayal, that's what told me, okay, this is different, Yeah, is different. Um, and so that was a big part of it for us. So we have a couple of minutes,
0: and that's all, so I'm going to give you the wrap when I have to, but the truth is that your book is paramount in helping couples to see this process. Again, Book is building true intimacy, creating a connection that stands the test of time. And I'm assuming they can get it on Amazon. Um, yes, but you also have some other services, you know, podcasts, groups. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing so our listeners can get in touch with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing we're most excited about is we are in the process of launching a kind of an online destination for couples to get kind of ongoing enrichment. And, you know, these are for, for couples, you know, if they're couples in recovery or betrayal, probably in those later stages, but who want to stay active in their relational journey and their relational growth. And so it's kind of a a monthly, monthly group that that where we talk about different concepts and skills we give practices we tell stories on ourselves because that's all we know how to do and and it's really something we're so excited about because we wanted to create this kind of enrichment center right where people could not only meet other couples who wanted to continue to work on their relationships but have something that really kind of ignited conversations, right? Helps couples to see, ooh, we could we could do a little growing here.
2: Yeah, so we're really excited for that. We're going to have courses that go along with that, so depending on where in the journey people are, they can kind of tap into some material that's specifically for them as well.
1: And you can find that, it's called Renewing Us, and so renewingus.com is the, is the easiest place to find more about that, and we're really just super excited to be able to do that. We have a lot of of couples we've seen grow over the years who are are ready to to dive in and really do this kind of ongoing work. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I'm going to tease you
0: because you have created for the community the very thing that you said you didn't want to do. Right, Matthew? (laughs) And now not only are you a proponent of it, but you've created it because we all know that support piece is so important developing intimacy and yeah. you guys are the masters of that so thank you so much for writing the book again that's building true intimacy creating connection that stands the test of time or stands the test of time which one is it yeah you got it okay. and matthew and Joanna, perhaps it's just so heartwarming to see a couple over post-traumatic growth that like I believe the couples can be restored, they can get healthy and they can be their best selves. So thank you so much for contributing and being such pioneers in the field and they are young, you guys. I mean can't you are young. Woo! I
2: appreciate that. We'll <laughs> take
0: it. We'll okay. Alright, keep me posted. When that launches we want to have you back, okay? We we'll we'll that. All thank right. you, See you later. Bye. So as you can see, they are they've got such good energy. They are ready to rock and roll with this new launch and how to give you support as a couple. And boys, boy, we can't say enough about that. You as a couple deserve all the support you can give. Joanna and Matthew Rafter, And building true intimacy, creating a connection that stands the test of time. All right, we're over now, and um, I'll talk to you next week, same place, same time. You know, there will only be one of you, so of course, I want you to seriously have the courage to be you. Make it a great week, and we'll talk soon.